Welcome to the Spirit Anointing the Word, the podcast of Highland Church, Jamaica, New York, with Pastor Subash Cherian. We're so glad to have you with us today, and we're excited about God's Word because it gives us strength and hope for each and every day. Let's listen as Pastor Subash shares this powerful message. Glory to God. Give the Lord a clap offering. He's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Happy Resurrection Day from all of us to everyone here. And those that are watching, it's a glorious day. It's a majestic day that we can gather together to worship and to praise and to give thanks to God. As I stand here this morning, I know that in many churches, including here, we have flowers and uh, the lilies and the lilac, as well as so many other things that are that speaks about spring, that speaks about resurrection. But on that fateful day, you did not have any flowers. In fact, you had spices. And my message begins with spices and closes with the fragrance of resurrection morning of our Lord Jesus. I've been speaking a whole lot about Subjects that relate in the Old Testament coming all the way, making a beeline right through to that one person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every topic, every subject, every article in the Old Testament, whether it be the temple, the sacrifice, the priest, every minute detail literally points to that one person. We don't go back to the Old Testament we don't bring the things of the Old Testament in this New Testament. The Old has been completed in the New Testament in the person of the Lord Jesus. Yahweh Adonai so loved the world that he gave us not a ritual, not a religion, not even the articles that found in the tabernacle, but he gives us the personification and everything it points to the Lord Jesus. That's why this is important. That's why that we want to emphasize the centrality of our faith that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4, has to do with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was raised for our justification. He died to make atonement for us. But I want you to understand, we celebrated Friday, the worst of all the days turned out to be the best. That we call it Good Friday, but it cost Jesus his life. His blood was the price of the atonement. But when you look at how it all begins, I've been talking about so many subjects, but particularly in the last couple of weeks, been talking about what would be the fragrance. I talked about God who sees, God who hears, God who feels, God who touches, and the God who smells. Talking about every aspect of our life that he sees, he hears, and that he, felt, he feels, because it's not strange for him, because he's been with us through Christ. He knows our hearts, he knows our pain, but he's also a God who smells. Talking about fragrance, but I begin with spices, 
Because on that fateful day, it begins what we find with incense. In fact, when we turn to Luke chapter 24, verse 1, we find the word spices mentioned. Luke chapter 24, verse 1, now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, certain and with certain others with them. What you find is a wonderful way of saying on that day, no, they didn't bring flowers. That was not the fashion of the, all the way from antiquity. Flowers came in in modern age. But what they brought was spices. What they brought was crushed rose or the flowers or the sandalwood. What they, taught, what they brought were things that would take away the fowl and bring in the fragrance. They brought in spices and to wrap it around the body of Jesus. I want you to realize spice is very important because you do like every other subject in the Old Testament. Like I said, when you study it, it comes, all of them, pieces together, and then explained at the feet of the Lord Jesus. For it pleased the Father to bring everything in subjection to him, who will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and then once everything is done, it will be before the Father in heaven. From what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, they brought spices, and when you look at the study of spices, if you go back and look into our web website, you can get all of the series there. And what you find is the holy ointment out of these crushed spices. They cannot be counterfeited. They cannot be artificially put in. But they have to be naturally put in by the, per by the perfumer. And you can find that in this revised version, I like it better than what the King James Version says. In Exodus chapter 30 and verse, 30, verse 25. In fact, uh, beautifully, it speaks about the spices that have been crushed. And you find here, thou shalt make it an oily, oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of this perfumer. It shall be an holy anointing oil. In this chapter from verse 22 all the way to verse 33 gives us the reason and the purpose for this holy anointing oil. It talks about in the next couple of verses in uh, verse 23, verse 24, things that will comprise of it. It talks about these five, uh, three principal spices. It is myrrh and sweet cinnamon and then you have uh, calamus and then the last two of them in the next verse in verse 24. They brought together, compounded in the measure, and ultimately it brings about what would be the holy anointing oil. I want us to realize when you look at all of this in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, you're going to find it was used profusely in anything to do with the tabernacle, with anything to do with the articles in the temple, the holy place, the holiest of holiest place, and even in the outer courts. This was so important with the worship and with everything fundamental to approaching God in the holiest of holiest. It has to be sprayed upon, even upon the priest that would perform the function as a priest. 
upon kings that would be ordained of God, upon prophets who would be the spokesmen for God. In fact, everything had to be covered by blood, the atonement, and then the fragrance or the anointing oil. This is important because as you make your way all the way from the book of Exodus, coming down, you get a reason for this. We don't have time to run through all of this, but just suffice to say, when you turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, we're told the sweet smelling and why the purpose of this. It says you walk in love as Christ also has loved us, and listen to what it says, and had given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling fragrance. A sweet-smelling fragrance. What God sees, and then he sees the wickedness in the heart of man, and he places there one who would give his blood. And under the blood, when I see the blood, I will, know, I will pass over you. The Passover is but what would be the beginning embroic of what would ultimately be the ultimate Passover that Good Friday morning or afternoon. But when you think about the fragrance or the odor or the smell, our sin was so awful that it was estranged in the nostrils of God. And God said, I repent that I made man. Every thought and imagination is but evil. And so he brings what would be judgment because the whole world was in the sting of sin. And you find the first thing that Adam does when he comes out of the ark, he gives and he puts something of a sweet-smelling sacrifice it was sweet-smelling to God. If you read Genesis chapter 8, verse 20, but particularly verse 21, let's read verse 20. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean, this was a lamb without spot nor blemish, every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered as a burnt offering on the altar that speaks about the cross. But I want you to listen to verse 21, for it says in verse 21, And God, Yahweh, smelled the sweet savour and said in his heart, I will not again curse. In other words, sin was repugnant. Sin was an awful, horrible stench in the nostrils of God. But in counterpart, I want you to realize the sacrifice of that clean animal was a sweet-smelling savour, a fragrance to God. And you find all of this was but a picture of one that would sacrifice himself for us. There is no Old Testament sacrifice in the New Testament, not even of a pigeon or whatsoever. There's no blood. Nothing of the bloodletting in the New Testament or in the churches today. It was once and for all, the perfect Lamb of God came and gave His blood. It was a sweet-smelling suffer. What He saw, what He heard, what He felt, what He touched, and what He smelled. Everything 
basically made up for all the sins. And particularly when you realize in such a sweet way that even as we go back to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, a sweet smelling, and that is he gave himself as a sacrifice, a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling fragrance to God. First I talked about what would be spices. Let me talk to you about the anointing. Exodus chapter 30, verse 25, we read about it was a holy anointing oil, not to be counterfeited, not to be commercialized, not to be put into in any other way except for unto God and for the purpose of God, not even to raise money. It speaks about what Christ would do on the cross. It speaks ultimately about the resurrection. It speaks also of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So many places, as you can read in any of the subjects in the Old Testament, I said it finds its way to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom God has given to be the propitiation for our sins. But here in this matter of what you call the anointing, Christ and the word Christ is a Greek word called anointing, from the Hebrew simply means Messiah. He's the anointed one. The anointing was upon him. The anointing oil was poured from heaven upon him. And you find he is a completion of that anointed. When you read what the writer of the Hebrew, chapter 1 and verse 8 and verse 9 talks about, he's talking in reference to the Old Testament. In this the writer says, but unto the Son, he said, thy throne, O God, is forever and forever. Adonai is saying to the Son, thy throne, O God, is forever and forever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. And in verse 9 he goes on to say, thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed you with the oil of gladness about thy fellow. You find this at the cross. The Bible simply says, who endured all of this for the joy that was before him. Endured the cross, despising the shame. You find that oil of gladness in the midst of pain and agony. What you so marvelously find is this comes from the Old Testament. And this particular passage, the psalmist is writing about the Lord. Many of these are the Messianic Psalms. But there in verse 45 of the book of Psalm, and verse 7, verse 8, verse 9, if we read, we get a little bit composite of what Hebrew is writing about. He says, Thou lovest righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed you with the oil of gladness about thy fellows. In verse 8, listen to what he says, All thy garments smell of myrrh, aloes, cassia out of the ivory palaces wherever they have made thee glad. Leaving the celestial city, leaving the ivory palace of heaven, to come to a stinking, sin-sick world. 
take on the heavenly from heavenly to the earthy and came in as a man, suffered as a man and went to the cross, died and then was buried and then he rose again. I want us to realize this passage is so eloquent, so beautiful, particularly when we realize that the anointed one and all about him. What I want us to realize is the anointing that was placed upon him by the Father, even on the baptism by the Holy Spirit, the anointed one. But more so specifically, even as he began his ministry, you find people, there was a lady who anointed him. Six days before he went to the cross or before Passover, he was anointed. And then two days before he was anointed. Three different uh, sequence leading to anointing. But when you read this six days before, you find it specifically written in John and chapter 12, verses 1 all the way to uh, the 3 or 5. Jesus, six days before Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which had been dead, when he raised from the dead. Goes on to say in verse 2, There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at meat with him. Now, listen to what verse 3 says. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spinkernut, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the ointment. In this anointing done by this woman speaks volume for a grateful heart, a heart filled with thanksgiving because she had experienced her own brother Lazarus dead, raised to come to life. She had anointed Lazarus as the old ritual customs was. But then out of that mournful spice turns to be the spice that raised him up. It's a thanksgiving. Even as she poured it upon his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. But when you read verse 4. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. And listen to what he says in verse 5. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? What is going on? This woman has taken a very costly ointment. That's her life pension. That's everything she has. Not given to some preacher, but given unto the Lord. She's emptied the bottle, the contents of which is literally so costly. A life saving. It cannot be put back into the bottle. It cannot be poured back into the alabaster box. What a wastage. It's a criminal wastage. If you look at it, it didn't amount to much, just poured but it was poured at the feet of the Lord. But this man spake for a purpose. A lot of people use, give all that and so forth and so forth, but they don't give a dime, but they let taxpayers pay all this. And the Bible says in verse 6, why he said that he was a thief, and of course he was making something out of it. But so people are looking to the reaction of the Lord Jesus. What would he say? Woman, 
You just went bonkers on this. You shouldn't have wasted. You shouldn't have thrown it. Woman, you should have learned stewardship. What a waste. Judas is correct. But he is speaking, but he's not speaking to Judas, nor even to the disciples. He's not speaking to uh, basically the woman. He's actually speaking to Judas and the disciples at the question. The question of wastage, or was it worth it? So in verse 7, the Lord Jesus says something very classical. He says, let her alone against this day of my burying, had she done this. And goes on to say, it shall be a memorial wherever the gospel is being preached. She has done it, she has prepared me for my burial. What is interesting is, this speaks about his burial as much as it speaks about his resurrection. So this speaks volume. And in just a moment, I will tell you how important it is. Six days before Passover, six days before he would be put on the cross. What is interesting is, there is a reaction. It's basically worthless, a waste. On the other hand, it's worth it all. It is not because of anybody, it is to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. What Mary has done was simply realized he's worth it all. He's worth it all for all he's done for me. Incidentally, six days later, the Lord Jesus was on the cross. And understand this in the agony, the pain, and all of that which he went through with the stupor, the order, and the foul are things around him, and with all of the curse, and all of the spittings, and all of things that they were throwing at him, in the midst of all of this, there's something that always reminded him of kindness and thanksgiving. In the midst of it, he could still get a whiff of that sweet anointing oil that was placed by Mary at her feet. I want you to realize this. This was six days before the Passover. But when you go into the Passover day, exactly the time the lamb would be sacrificed, Jesus in actuality, the fulfillment of that that was taking place, of all that which the prophets and the law have said afore many times before, is now the reality. He is put on the cross. The moment he died, there's another thing that comes about a progressive to do with the ointment. It is to do with a person, literally there were two who were basically secret disciples for fear of those around, for fear of their own lives. One was Joseph of Armitia, a rich man, and he gave his grave. Now there's no turning back. People know he's no more a secret disciple, but he's come forward to say, I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus. And that was where, in fulfillment to what the book of Isaiah says, he made his tomb among the rich. That was his borrowed tomb. But then there was Nicodemus who had come to the Lord at night, and this man comes openly, and he does something very strange. Let's read that in John chapter 16. 
and when you read verse 39 and verse 40. Verse 39 simply talks about what Nicodemus does. There came also Nicodemus, which as first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pound weight. This was a whole lot. And then in verse 40 tells us, they, then they took the body of Jesus, bound, bound it in linen clothes with the spices at the manner or the ritual of the Jews were. And this is preparing him for his burial. But Mary had already done it six days before. And I'm talking about, number one, the spices. Number two, the anointing. All of this goes before the fragrance of his resurrection. Let me just run for lack of time, go into the third one, and that is preparation. There's a preparation that is being done when Jesus died, but there was a preparation made in heaven before he even came into heaven, earth. Let's read what happens when you read Luke chapter 23 and read verse 40, uh, 55 and verse 56. You find this, and the woman also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after and beheld the script, sepulchre where his body was. So they need to know where he would be placed because they had something to do. So they were behind when all of the other men left him. They followed and they found out where he would be placed. Now what do they do in verse 56? It simply says, They returned and prepared spices and ointment and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandments. So they returned and they prepared spices and ointment. From an earthly point of view, a ritual to be able to put the spice so the body would not sting. So you find this preparation being done before, after Sabbath. But I want to remind you, when you look at an earthly point of view, you're finding from man's point of view what would be, what would Jewish people would do, what a ritual act would be, or religious act would be from man's point of view. But let me take you 700 years before, even before all of this happened. You find what the prophet Isaiah spoke about that was prepared way before the foundation of the world because God knows all things. And he begins by saying in 53 verse 1, who has believed our report? Mind you, this is from the Jewish scriptures. But if you were to come down to verse 10 of Isaiah chapter 53, Listen to what it says. And it pleased the Lord. Hold it. To crush him. To bruise him. I thought the Hebrews did it. I thought the Italians did it. I thought you and I did it. Yes. We all are culpable of what happened to Jesus on the cross. But it simply says. It pleased the Lord. To bruise him. He had put him to grief when you shall make his soul an offering for him. In fact, when you turn down, go all the way to verse 14, his visage was marred. 
beyond recognition. In other words, you could not have recognized he was totally crushed. He was totally broken. And it says, it pleased, Abba, it pleased Yahweh to bruise him. He had put him to grief. Now I want to realize very importantly why this is so important. Because if you were to turn to Isaiah 55 and verse 5, he was wounded, he was crushed, he was bruised for our iniquity. Chastised for our transgressions. By his stripes you are healed and by his chastisement we have peace. I want us to realize the most important thing to do simply, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquity. This is the most important he had to go to Calvary. He had to be crushed. He had to be bruised for our salvation. But not that alone. That is the most important. If nothing else, that is it. But it goes on to say the chastisement. So he was bruised. The Bible says he was wounded. The Bible says he was chastised. And why? For our peace, that we would have peace with God. We're no more at war with God. We're no more at enmity, that God has brought us together. And he becomes the bridge. The gap has been filled. And not only that, it says by his stripes, so all of this, not only salvation and peace, but by his stripes you are healed. You can put that all into spirituality, but there's an aspect of healing as he wants by his stripes, bringing about the peace, all of this included, he was put to grief. The father bruised him, crushed him. That is hard to believe. Why would this be? How could it be? I told you about the flowers. We would actually have brought flowers and put it at the scene where he was crucified. But that was not the custom of those days. It came much later. We bring flowers. Literally, if someone's in the hospital, we bring flowers, a bouquet when somebody is uh, dead, and put that as a mark of respect. But those people brought spices. It's hard to believe that the customs have changed, but of course it's bringing the flower industry a lot of money. But I want to realize one thing, my friend. Flowers are there for a season, and they fade. At the most, you could put it in a bottle, put some capsules to keep them alive. After a few days, it will either die and smell. It would be rotten. But I want us to realize when you read Songs of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 1, he's the rose of Sharon, and he's the lily of the valley. When you think about the picture of the Lord, there's a scent in him. And when you look at roses, you could bring it into a hospital. At best, it is beautiful to look at, and there's a fragrance about it but it withers and dies. And by the way, it carries a lot of germs too. But if you were to crush it, and if you were to compound it, and if you were to put into the solution that we find in the book of Exodus chapter 30 and verse 25, with all these 
spices, and all of this together, you find something called the ointment or the perfume or eudicolone. And what you find in that, long after the flowers withers and fades and dies, this which you have a perfume, this which you have an ointment, will never lose its fragrance. Long after you have finished the fragrance, long after everything is emptied out in the bottle, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, just take a whiff of that bottle. There's nothing there, but you can still smell a faint perfume of that particular spice or spice of perfume. It's like taking the seashells and you could still hear the waves of the sea faintly. What you find in this, this rose will still be a rose, but when the rose is at its prime, it is cut off. And the Bible simply says he was cut off in his youth. Then it is crushed, bruised, broken. Why? Without this, there would not be the fragrance of resurrection. The rose has to be crushed. We sing that song like a rose that is trampled on the ground. What you find is this rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley had to be crushed. So it would be the fragrance, the beauty of that fragrance. And so when you read Luke chapter 24 and verse 1, they bring the spices. And when you read verse 6, look at the words of the angel. The spice is not for the stale, but what he has is the fragrance of resurrection. He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. He said to you that he has to go to Jerusalem. And on the third day, he will rise again. He is not here. He is risen. Think about it for a moment. The fragrance that we see in him. Songs of Solomon, chapter 1 and verse 3, speaks about this precious bridegroom, because of the fragrance of your good ointment, your name is as ointment poured forth, therefore do the virgins love you. Your name is like ointment. It's the good ointment. You know, chapter 2 of the book of, Sol of Philippians, verse 5 goes on to say how he came down left all that heavenly glory and stepped into the earth as a man, suffered as a man, went to the cross. But verse 9 of Philippians chapter 2, listen to what the Bible says, what Yahweh, Adonai, has done. Wherefore, Adonai hath highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name. It is supreme fragrance. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess to the glory of God, which is heaven. Give the Lord a clap offering. Let me come to the fourth, and I'll finish this. 
The fourth is fragrance. The first is spices they brought. The second is the anointing that was upon him by the Father and by the Holy Spirit. And then an earthly witness of fragrance poured on his head, poured at his feet. Number two, I talked about the the anointed one. And number three, I speak about what would be so important. And that is, we just finished this. And, and let me just say, number four simply speaks about the fragrance. The fragrance that's so important. There's a passage in John chapter 12 and verse 24. I want you to listen to this very important principle. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, goes down to the ground, dies and is buried. If it does not, it abides alone. But if it dies, it shall bear forth much fruit. It will spring forth and bring much fruit. I love gardening. My wife and myself spend a lot of time trying to flowers and, and uh, spices and so forth. Last couple of weeks I've been in the backyard. It was cold, forlorn. There was no shade. There was no smell. It was the putrefying smell of things that were rotten. There was no color. There was no fragrance. There was no beauty. Everything had died. Things looked so horrible. And I say, oh my goodness, this is horrible. Awful. And I go through this. All the year round in this time of winter. It speaks of death. It's a cycle that we go through. But yesterday, we were in the backyard. And look, lilies are coming out. The fragrance of a freshness or the fragrance of resurrection. I see this willow tree that was dead Tying weeping willow. I felt like weeping with it. But I don't know why they call it the weeping willow. Because I've seen the flowering of the pink of weeping willow. Flowered. You can see the flowering of the dogwood. You can see the flowering of the northern flower, Mongolia. You can see the flowering of the eastern rosebud. You can see the flowering of azalea. You can see the flowering of many plants at this very moment. Speaking about death and speaking about resurrection and the fragrance of resurrection. <laughs> Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, it will die. But once it dies and buried, it brings forth fragrance and fruit. You and I, my friends, are the results of what Jesus did. When he was put to death, crushed, and even as the flowers were crushed down to the earth, in order to get the finest smell, there's an atar, which in India they use, has been there for hundreds of years. It comes from Persia, but they, and I'm sure, got it from the book of Exodus. And yet, in this mixture of flowers and sandalwood, what very expensive, costing thousands of dollars, mixture of earth, to give it a mixture of earth. And then after the days and after months and weeks and years, the smell is the highest quality. 
that you could find the mixture. In fact, you don't know how did it come about. That which has been crushed and broken, that which has been completely smothered and put under the ground, and then comes the beauty and the fragrance of such an exclusive fragrance called the ointment of Atar. I want you to realize, my friend, this is the secret that Paul writes about in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It's not I. I died. It is Christ that liveth in me. The secret that we can think about of Christian life is because of the resurrection. That is what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 27. Christ in me, the hope of glory. That is the risen living Christ in me. Thanks be to God. You know, let me close before we go to the next program. This is very important. What God wants of us is let the glory of God, the fragrance of Christ dwell in us. The way that Paul writes it, so beautifully articulated in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, 15, 16. He says, but thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph. Listen to this. Jesus dead, buried, and the third day. He triumphed over death and triumphed over the devil. But he says, causes us to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. Verse 15 goes on to say, For we are unto God a sweet smelling, a savor, a fragrance of Christ in them that are saved and in them that are perishing. Verse 16 goes on to say, To the one... We are the fragrance of death unto death, and to the other the fragrance of life unto life. But who can be sufficient for this? I mean, who could even understand what goes on in the earth? We thought the plants were dead. We thought the tree was dead. We thought that's the end of the acelia. We thought that's the end of the magnolia. We thought that was the end of the forcia. We thought it was the end of all that dogwood and the willow. But in verse 17, he goes on to say, But we are not as many which corrupt the word, but as sincerity as the God, sight of God speak we. We become the fragrance of God. We become the fragrance. Before I close, I just want to pray. The fragrance, sweet-smelling, that is unto God, that we would be the sweet-smelling to God. Just like Jesus had the blood has to be shed. It's Exodus chapter 12. Put it on lintels and on the door. And the Bible says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Blood atonement for us. Old Testament find its fulfillment in you in the New Testament. Just like in the Old Testament, sweet-smelling sapphire of every sacrifice, everything that took place in the temple, in the tabernacle, that has ceased but it's the ultimate completion of him that becomes the sacrifice, died, rose, and the sweet fragrance unto God. And God says, I have put that fragrance upon you, the fragrance of Christ. It's the sweet-smelling savour unto the Lord. Shall we stand to say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for Jesus Christ. And now I'm praying, Father God, 
even as it pleased you to crush him. It pleased you to completely break him down, placed into the earth, buried. Let me be the result, O oh God, the fragrance of Christ would be in me. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. By his chastisement, do you have that peace? Peace with God. And by his stripes, I speak healing to your spirit, healing to your emotion, to your soul, and healing to your body. Jesus paid it all. To God be glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the word of the Lord. To learn more, please visit our website, highlandny.org, or our Facebook page, Highland Church, New York. Until next time, may God richly bless you.